Hello, today's episode is about suburban hot water heaters and how to diagnose a problem with a suburban hot water heater. I want to welcome you to the show. This is Eric Stark with Radio Arizona RV, your best RV podcast. This podcast is for everybody who owns an RV. If you like to do the work yourself or if you prefer to have it done, it doesn't matter. This podcast is for you because even if you pay to have the work done, you still want to know how things work so you have an idea of what's happening, especially if you have a breakdown, a problem out on the road, a camping trip. That way you don't have to ruin the trip to maybe get something repaired that you can do yourself. You'll say, hey, I heard that on Radio Arizona RV. I can fix that problem. I'll save the day. And today's episode number 82 is about suburban hot water heaters, six and 10 gallons. It doesn't matter how to diagnose them. That's going to save the day when you can fix that hot water heater. Believe me. So you're going to want to share this episode with family and friends, anybody that owns an RV that might be interested in, in this problem or future problems or other problems. Just share the link, share the website, whatever it might be. And just so you know, I do have an a brick and mortar retail store. So I'm hands-on experience and I sell products online as well, have several different websites. We sell different things and I don't always have every product I talk about on my website for one reason or another, but Hey, I want to thank you for listening today and we're going to get right into episode number 82 and we're going to talk about suburban hot water heaters and how to diagnose them. So now first up with suburban water heaters, they're pretty basic. You know, and so this is on the premise of a electronic ignition water heater with or without 110 volts. The pilot light model is going to be another model I have to talk about. There's not enough time to cover it in one episode. And the pilot light models are the ones, you know, you light with a match on the outside. They're not used that often anymore. So it's not really an everyday thing. Most RVs have electronic ignition and 110 volt water heaters in them. So we're going to break that down. So if you have 110 volt ignition, or excuse me, electronic ignition, and you don't have 110 volts, this episode still applies to you. And you're not going to have 110 volt only. You're going to have 110 volt and electronic ignition. So either way, you're going to be covered here. So 110 volts and electronic ignition. So the electronic ignition or DSI, direct spark ignition, that is that is done with 12 volts. So you have two voltage systems here. The 110 volts runs a 110 volt heating element that's inside the water heater that heats up the water. The propane side on electronic ignition or direct spark ignition water heater is controlled by 12 volts. So you have 12 volts that there's a switch inside the RV, you hit the switch, sends power, does what it's going to do, fires up the circuit board, and then it sends a spark that ignites the propane, and boom, you got a flame, and then you have hot water, right? Okay, so it's two different systems, but keep this straight in your head. The 110 volts is strictly 110 volts, and it goes through a 110-volt heating element. The 12-volt side of your propane water heater works in conjunction with the propane. So there's a circuit board. And the 12 volts, they work in conjunction to heat your hot water on propane. So it's two separate systems. So when you're diagnosing the problem, does it not work on 110 volts or 12 volts? 
And quite often when I get people into the store and they ask this, hey, what's wrong with my hot water here? It doesn't work. Well, is it the 110 volts is not working on or the propane, which is the same as 12 volts in essence? And they, I don't know. So we start off not knowing something. So that makes it a little more difficult. So always know how your hot water heater is working or not working. You know, if it doesn't work on the propane side, turn on 110 volts and see if it works on that side. And then maybe you do have two problems. Maybe it's not working on either one because either way you want to make sure both sides work. So let's start with the 110 volt side. That's probably the easiest. So most RVs, well, I shouldn't say a lot of RVs, some RVs are going to have a switch inside the RV that you turn that switch on for 110 volts. And then out at the water heater in the lower left-hand corner, there'll be another switch, an on-off switch. And that should be on as well. Now, that switch on the water heater has a little cotter pin or hairpin you can use to, to set that in the on-off position. So you want to make sure both switches are on if your RV has two switches. Some don't. Like mine doesn't. It has one switch on the water heater, and that is it. Okay, but the two switches have to be on if you have two switches. If you don't have two, the one has to be on. You get it? So there's 110 volts going to the water heater. So the 110 volts is going to go through the system, and I'm going to explain that. So you have the switch or two switches. That's going to send 110 volts through the ECO and the thermostat. And the ECO is electronic cutoff, and that's the, that's the fail-safe. So if the thermostat fails, the ECO will kick in and turn the water off or turn the heat off, basically, so the water just doesn't keep getting hotter, 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 and builds up into a bomb, right? If that were to happen, if that failed, then the pressure relief valve would kick in. That would open up and all the hot water would go out onto the side of the RV in the ground. So that's the safety system there. So the ECO, thermostat, and then the heating element. So that's how it works. The switch, ECO, thermostat, and heating element. So it's going right down the line checking for voltage if it's not working on 110 volts. The most common failure that I come across are the heating elements. They fail. So that screws into the side of the tank. It takes like an inch and one sixteenth socket, or there are sockets, cheapy sockets you can buy. Camco makes them that'll go on there. So you don't have to spend, you know, $40 on a socket if you don't have that size, because you really need a socket or inch isn't going to work. You know, I recommend just buying the cheapy tool and keeping it in your tool kit. Anything for these water heaters that you can buy that's specialty, just buy it if you can get a cheapy version of it from Camco and just have it on hand. So that's pretty straightforward. Now let's break it down a little bit further though. So you have the ECO and the thermostat. So each one of those should have 110 volts going to it. So you have the switch going, the wire from the switch going to the ECO, which is on the top of the two. The ECO and thermostat come together on aluminum plate. And on your water heater up, oh, I'd say to the left-hand side, two screws hold a lever cut, uh, two screws hold a rubber cover over the ECO and thermostat for the 12 volt and 110 volt. And on that rubber cover, it says reset. So if your water heater fails on gas or electric, always try to hit that reset button. We'll get into that a little bit more in a moment. So if you hit the reset button and it resets, that might work or get the water heater going again. Now, if it has a problem, well, like I said, we'll get into that in a minute. So the rubber cover, you know, it covers both sets of ECO and thermostats. You have one for the 12 volt and one for the 110 volt. 
So now we are talking about the 110 volts. So the power goes through the ECO and then it right goes right down the thermostat right below it. There are two little disc shaped things with terminals on them and they're mounted to an aluminum plate. The plate is rectangular, maybe an inch wide, two and a half inches long. And the same with the 12 volt one. They look pretty identical, but there are, is a difference. So it goes to the ECO to the thermostat to the heating element. That's the flow of power. And then the heating element is the stop where the it now heats up the water. So if you have 110 volts going through the switch, the ECO, the thermostat to the 110 volt heating element, and it's not heating up, and you know we're talking about a cold tank here, not one that's been heated already, but cold water, cool water, then that means the heating element is bad. Pretty straightforward. And quite often you take them out, they're corroded. They are corroded. They look like they're bad. They maybe have holes. They've split apart. So it's a real simple test. 110 volts to the heating element. No, and it's not working. Then you replace the heating element. Now, if you don't have 110 volts going to the heating element, then you just backtrace it. You can go back to the thermostat, to the ECO. If either one of them is bad, you replace them. They come together. So you replace them both at the same time. If you have power going to the ECO and to the thermostat, then you go back to the switch at the water heater and they do fail. They don't fail all day, every day, but they do fail. So if you have, don't have, if you have power going to it, but not through it out to the ECO and thermostat, then that switch would be bad. And if you have power going there, then you want to go back inside the RV to that 110 volt switch. If there is one and make sure it has 110 volts going in and out. You know, you could check that first. You could check the circuit breaker for the water heater first rather than starting at the water heater. You could start at the circuit breaker and go the other way. But either way, you're going to have to do a little bit of testing. So make sure you have that 110-volt meter. And I love pushing those meters. A test light works, but meters are better. They're easier to use, more accurate, and they have more functions on it. So that kind of covers the 110-volt side. So it's pretty straightforward and if you can do that, the 12 volt side is going to be similar. It changes a little bit, but it's very similar. So the 12 volt side, you have the switch inside the RV. It's usually a switch with a little red light next to it or on it. Then the power from that switch goes to the ECO. And by the way, it only 12 volt only has one switch. So the, you have 12 volts going to the switch, out from the switch to the ECO and the thermostat. And again, they're two little disc-shaped items with uh, terminals on them on a mounted on a piece of aluminum about an inch wide, two and a half inches long or so. And it's mounted right next to the 110-volt one. And so you have the power going to the ECO, to the thermostat, to the circuit board. So we're going to stop right there. So the thermostat, or excuse me, you have power going through the ECO and thermostat to the circuit board. So if you have that, then that means the ECO and thermostat are okay and the switch is okay. So you're not worried about those items anymore. So now the circuit board and what comes after it could become in question. But if you don't have power going through the ECO to the thermostat, then you would replace those and the water heater should work. Unless there's another problem, two problems, you know, another problem down the line a little bit. So provided you have power going through there and you don't have to replace the ECO and thermostat, which again, they come together. You replace one, you replace them both. You don't have a choice there. And that's a safety thing too. If, if the thermostat's bad, you know, it might be in the ECO has been overworking, then you want to replace them both. So it's the same with 110 volt. 
don't worry about replacing them both. Some people are like, well, can I take one off and, you know, just replace that one and save the other one for another time? Just do them both, you know? So anyway, if you have power going through there and then you have 12 volts coming out of the thermostat and it's going to the circuit board, now we have to change gears a little bit. And this is where it gets to get a little more technical because you probably don't have a circuit board tester. So you're going to want to take the circuit board out and go to your local RV store and have the circuit board tested. And most places, I believe, will do it for free. It shouldn't be a big deal to do. They might charge you or they might actually ask you to leave the circuit board for a day or so. Maybe they're busy and they just don't have time to do it, which that's fine. Just put your name on the circuit board. And, you know, if you think you're going to have to leave it, maybe bring it in a bag, a static free bag, you know, or something. So it's just protected. So it's not just sitting on a workbench bouncing around. But I'd identify it, make sure that you have your name written on the board itself. And so then you take it, have it tested. And the board is going to come back, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, basically. So if the board tests good, that means the gas valve or the igniter could be bad. And so it just depends on whether if the igniter is igniting, you hear it spark, see it spark, but the gas valve is not opening, then the gas valve would be bad. And you could also check the gas valve as well. You could run 12 volts to it and make sure that it opens and propane is flowing through, or you could disconnect it and try to blow air through it. It's the same as on a furnace repair, which I covered in a previous episode. So the gas valve and igniter would be the two culprits if the circuit board tests good. So one of those is bad. Probably the gas valve, maybe the igniter, maybe the igniter is dirty as well. So you want to check the igniter, make sure that the gap is correct, that it's not all carboned up at the end or dirty, or even the tip of it's broken off the electrode. So now if the circuit board's bad, then you replace the circuit board. And to be quite honest with you, we sell more circuit boards than we do any other part for an RV water heater other than anode rods. You know, when it comes to a hot water heater not working on the propane side or 12-volt side, they're the same. They, you know, they work together. Usually, the circuit board is the culprit, and that's what we find. Now, I'm not saying that you just go replace the circuit board. You want to do those other tests first to make sure you get down to the circuit board, and that's what you need or need to have tested. Then you go from there. So the gas valve, like I said, you can test that. That's not a big deal. You can just put 12 volts up to it. And make sure air flows through it and disconnect the 12 volts and no air should go through it. So that means it's working. The solenoids are working in the igniter. I explained. So RV water heaters are very simple, really. Sometimes we get overwhelmed and it happens a lot with cars. Now, I used to be a mechanic. And one thing I remember about cars is, you know, you open up the hood and sometimes it's like, man, where's the engine, right? You just panic sets in the heart starts to race and, you know, your blood pressure is going up and like, this is crazy. But, you know, after you take a few things off, like an, an air cleaner or, you know, new cars are a little bit different with their air cleaners, but you take a few things off. They're not so scary to look at. In the old days, you just take the air cleaner off and the cold air tube going up to the grill. And all of a sudden, wow, you can see the engine is not so bad. A water heater is the same way. Sometimes they look a little overwhelming, but when you stand back and just look at it, there's only a few parts that you're looking at. You know, the circuit board is on the back of them, on the Suburbans, 
And so you're just looking at the ECO or actually the rubber cover for the ECO and thermostat. You're looking at the 110 volt heating element. You see the head of the anode rod at the bottom of the water heater, which also acts as a drain plug, a burner tube. It's not really overwhelming when you just break it down for what it is. And sometimes that's what all we have to do is just break it down for what it is. Nothing more, nothing less. So now also with a hot water heater, you know, there could be some other things going on with it. You know, like if the ECO, if you, if you're pressing those reset buttons, every time the water heater stops working and maybe it's happening more consistently, you press those reset buttons on the rubber cover there, which resets the ECO. That would indicate there's a problem. So you'd want to replace the ECO and thermostat together. Now, if you can't determine which one it is, just replace both of them. If you know, if, if you're, or just if you want to, just replace both of them. They're not terribly expensive. I can't think of what they are off the top of my head. Maybe one is ten bucks, one's fifteen bucks, or one's fifteen, one's twenty-five. I forget. Trying not to keep all the numbers in my head. But anyway, if you do them both at the same time, then you're covered. You know, if you're not sure if your problem is really on gas or if it's on the hundred and ten volt or electric, as it's called. Just do them both. But if you're always having to reset it, if that's becoming an issue where you're regularly having to reset it, you know, if it happens here and there, that's one thing. But on a regular basis, that means they're going bad. So just replace them and that should solve that problem. Now, another thing, too, when you replace the heating element, if that's bad on the 110 volt side. So we've walked through the diagnosis. Now I'm just kind of covering other things here. I guess they're out of order, but they still need to be covered. So the heating element, if you have to replace that, make sure that you press or release the pressure from the pressure relief valve, which, you know, basically relieves the pressure from the tank. So when you take out the heating element, it just doesn't come blasting out at you at full pressure. And while the heating element's out, you might as well take out the anode rod, then give the tank a good flushing since you have both those components out. And if the anode rod is all eaten up, you know, down to like, there's a metal rod that runs through there. The anode rod's about a half inch in diameter, nine inches long, and it gets eaten up. It starts to corrode. And a lot of times people take them out of the tank, has a little bit of corrosion on there, and they think it's gone bad. Well, a little bit's okay. And the anode rod is used to sacrifice itself. Rather than all the uh, minerals eating the tank, it actually eats the anode rod. So it's it's self-sacrificing, if you will. So when you have that out, if there's a wire that runs through the center of it, if you can see the wire, you definitely got to replace it. It's bad. But that anode rod is about a half inch in diameter. So if you're down to a quarter inch, somewhere in there, just replace it. Or if you just want to replace it, replace it. They're like 16 bucks. I would go with the Suburban brand one. Um, there are their aftermarket ones, but we just stick with Suburban. In fact, Atwood and Suburban are the two water heaters. Actually, Atwood is owned by Dometic now. But Atwoods do not come with the anode rods because they have a different tank. It's an aluminum tank versus a steel line or a line steel tank. But they, the Suburban ones are about nine inches long, regardless of the size of the water heater. So you might want to just replace it. You know, but you do want to flush out the tank and get all the debris and stuff that sits out of the bottom of the tank. And that you want to do probably once a year. So some people just do that. They just replace the anode rod every year. They don't care. They just flush it out. Whether it's good or bad, they're going to replace them. And 
you know, that's up to you. After you, if you haven't taken one out, you might really not even be familiar with what I'm talking about. When you do take the anode rod out, it's at the bottom of the tank. It's like the nut on it's like an inch and an eighth or an inch and a sixteenth. And you unscrew that and you'll see it's nine inches long, half inch in diameter. And it should be, but it'll show signs of corrosion, sometimes real bad, sometimes not so bad. And if you're not sure, just take it to an RV store and see what they think. Anyway, so, you know, changing the heating element, the anode rod, make sure you take, uh, take the pressure out of the tank by flipping the lever on the pressure relief valve, which is at the top of the tank. I think on Suburban's at the right-hand side. So that's pretty straightforward. All these things are pretty straightforward. And, you know, usually if you have a question, you can ask a service center. You know, they'll help you. Most of them will. Even the parts guys are pretty knowledgeable, you know, to help you walk through it. Because I'd rather sell you the right part than have you come back and have to get another part and then another part. And, you know, electric parts, um, I'm not too keen on taking them back. And most places aren't. You know, we don't want you to put in parts just to diagnose the problem you know you're just throwing in a part no that didn't diagnose it here let me get another part and try to diagnose it you know because you can't damage the parts doing that so you really want to get it right the first time and you know if you miss it and you buy a uh, thermostat and eco and then fix the problem i would just leave it in i wouldn't worry about it keep the other one as a spare you know then you know so the other thing you can uh, face too with an rv water heater is you know you could get debris built up in the burner tube that's you know restricting or changing the flow of the propane as it goes from the gas valve into the through the burner tube to where it ignites at the igniter so you want to make sure that's clean no dust build up or dust dirt build up no nests of any kinds in there or whatever might get in there you want to blow that out with compressed air that's always an easy way of doing it you know, compressed air is nice for cleaning out water heaters, furnaces, refrigerators. And another issue you could have with a water heater not working. So, you know, there's, I went through the 110 volts and the 12 volt side, but there's still the propane if you have a propane flow issue. Now, propane flow can get a little more complicated because of the RV. You know, you have two tanks. On a lot of fifth wheels, they have a high-pressure propane regulator and then the normal automatic switchover pressure regulator. So you have to make sure both of those are working okay. But you want to make sure, you know, the basics. Do you have propane? And that sounds crazy. But sometimes we, you know, we just start moving around our mind. Go, oh, no, the water heater's not working. We panic and we forget to check the tanks, right? So make sure you have propane. And the other thing that happens from time to time is propane tanks, if you open the valve up too quick, it'll shut itself off. It goes into safety mode thinking, uh-oh, a propane line just got cut or got broke or something went wrong in the propane system. So the valve says to itself, I need to shut myself off, and that's what it does. So you might try, you know, if, the pro, if you've been using the propane for a few days and all of a sudden it stops working and you haven't messed with the valve, then obviously that wouldn't be it. It'd be more like after you've got propane and now your water heater doesn't work or in nothing works in the RV on propane. So, you know, close the valve and reopen it very slowly and that'll reset it to where it should work correctly. And you should always just open up the valve slowly, not wind them out real fast. All this automatic save, save the world stuff we have today sometimes works against us if we're not familiar with it. And then the propane regulator could be bad too. Now we sell a whole lot of propane regulators. 
So you want to, you know, if that's the problem, you're going to have to replace that. So if um, no propane is going through the system, you have two full tanks and nothing's leaving that regulator, then the regulator is bad. And they do fail. And it doesn't matter if they're a year old, 20 years old. We still have people walking in the stores, some that are 40 years old. And I kid you not, they are. They're like the original Marshall brass ones that came on RVs way back in the day. They have actual brass on them. They're heavy. So you got something 35, 40 years old that still works or just failed recently. But then you can buy one that's off the shelf and it lasts a year and you have to replace it. And it sucks because they're expensive. But that happens too. They don't last forever. And then the newer ones don't seem to last as long as the older ones. That's for sure. But I know back in the day, you know, in the nineties, in the eighties, it doesn't matter. Even the old ones were still getting replaced regularly. Propane regulators are a mainstay in RV stores. You know, that's one of the first things you put on your shelves. If you open up a new store, holding tank, chemical, toilet paper, and propane regulators, you know, they're going to sell. So you want to make sure your propane flow is okay. And again, most stores are going to help you with this. You know, I, I can't see why they want it. Some, I know there's some places, I know there's some here in Montana that they will not sell you service-related parts unless you bring the RV in to let them check it out first. So some places are unfriendly, but the majority aren't. You just want to find someone that's knowledgeable and willing to help. It's just like going to a hardware store. You ask a question about maybe something in your house. Sometimes you get a salesman that'll want to help you, but he just doesn't have enough knowledge. Other guy, times you get someone that they have all the knowledge in the world, but they're not going to help you, you know? So it's that catch 22. So don't be afraid to ask questions. So, so the, it's pretty straightforward. You got to have propane going to it. You have to have some sort of ignition source on the 12 volt side. And that's where the gas valve and the igniter come in that get powered by the circuit board that gets powered by the thermostat, ECO, and the switch. And then you have your 110-volt side. So that covers suburban water heaters. And so this is your normal mainstay water heater. It has gas and electric on it. And like I said, if it doesn't have the 110-volt side of it, and it's just the electronic ignition, this will diagnose it the same way. You just count out the 110 volts because they're two separate systems. And most water heaters, when you buy them new, they come with um, instructions, somewhat of a service manual that if you read it, it'll walk you through it to where you can figure things out. And even the, the ECO and thermostat placement, you know, the 110 volt side is, are the black wires usually on the left hand side. They're next to each other. And then the 12 volt ECO and thermostat has red wires going to it and it's on the right hand side. And your, your manual will help you to identify that so you know which is which. 110 volt has the black, 12 volt has the red wires. So that helps too, so you know what side you're working on. And also for testing things, you know, if you think you're dealing with 12 volts and you decide to stick your finger on there and it's 110 volts, well, that's going to be a shocking experience, right? <laughs> Been waiting all day to say that. So if you keep the manual that comes with the water heater, or if you don't have the manual, you can go to Suburban's website and download it there. I believe they have it there. There's some on, on online. Of course, they're online. But be careful what you read. You know, I've seen some stuff because when I do these these episodes, I go online too, and I like to see what other people are saying. I don't copy what they say. I like to see what they're saying because 
I see some, you know, I see some diagrams for suburban water heaters that have the thermostat and ECO mixed up. So if you, you know, if you go by their diagram, you think you're going to be working on the 12 volt and you're going to be working on the 110 volt. And that can be dangerous. And they leave things out, you know, that's where the manual kind of walks you through it all and helps you understand a little bit better. But the manuals are available. And even some of the forums, um, they have them, you know, these RV owner forums. You can find them on there or they've redone one and kind of made it geared up towards their their brand of RV. But anyways, you it, it doesn't hurt to have one, that's for sure. So even if you're not working on your water heater, go check the model number. And while you check it, write it down someplace, put it in that book or somewhere on your phone, tablet, wherever, so you have it. Maybe you can take a picture of the water heater. That always helps too if you're trying to identify parts. And then download the manual and just start doing that. Collect manuals for your RV. That way you have them. And, you know, manuals help. I mean, technicians use them all the time. You know, mechanics use them all the time. So having a manual is a good thing. And sometimes they don't cover it all, but just by reading it, you can certainly diagnose or learn how to figure things out. By looking at the manual, they have wiring diagrams, the propane schematics. So it's definitely worth the time. But I want to thank you for listening today as I talked about suburban hot water heaters. And don't forget to check out our website. The website I really want you to look at is sunpromfg.com. That's where you can find all of our awning-related fabrics and windshield covers for, for Sprinter motorhomes or motorhomes with Sprinter chassis and the Freightliner M2 and S2 RVs. And there's other stuff there as well, but those are the things I want to remind you about today. So again, I want to thank you for listening. This is Eric Stark with Radio Arizona RV.